Welcome to More Than Your Number, a podcast on the Enneagram and personal growth. I'm Teresa McBean, Enneagram practitioner, pastor, wife of over four decades to the same patient and long-suffering husband, mom to three, and Mimi to two practically perfect grandchildren. I am so glad you have joined me for this podcast focused on using the Enneagram as it was intended, as a map for personal growth. Okay, welcome to my podcast, More Than Your Number, The Enneagram and Personal Growth. Uh, Today, um, I am super excited to have my daughter Meredith with me as she and I uh, take a retrospective look back at the first podcast of this month, which was my friend Yelena. If you haven't listened to it already, you're going to want to. It's our first podcast ever here at Teresa McBean. And um, it was about Yelena's escape from the Ukraine. She was there for her mother's funeral and Putin invaded. And it's her harrowing story of escape. But because she's an eight, she doesn't make it sound so harrowing. Um, So I thought it would be fun for Meredith to join me. She um, is going to introduce herself to you in a second. Uh, Let me introduce myself. I'm Teresa McBean. I'm a six. Uh, My uh, instinct is social dominant. And um, this is my podcast. So Meredith, welcome. How about introducing yourself? Sure, mom. And thanks for having me. Uh, I'm obviously a daughter. Yes. Um, Also a wife, uh, a mother to a hilarious and slightly rambunctious uh, five-year-old son. I'm an aunt, a sister, um, and an Enneagram nine with a dominant social instinct. Uh, with a secondary instinct is self-preserving mm-hmm. um, and sexual instinct is repressed. Um, I also work outside the home. I run a transformation office for Dasky, which is the largest flatbed trucking company uh, in North America. And that basically means leading teams that deliver large initiatives to create value. Um, and in my spare time, I like to travel exercise and spend time with my friends and family. And right now with my son, that involves a lot of time watching him play sports and explore new places and and meet new friends. So we have a good time. Yeah, he uh, definitely enjoys everything new and exciting, doesn't he? Yes. And we enjoy watching him. Most of the time. Most of the time. That's right. Uh, We are pretty sure he's a body type. Definitely. Definitely a body type. And he has a lot of energy and probably sexual dominant, but we'll let him grow into his own. Yes, for sure. Well, thanks so much, Meredith. Today, you and I are going to recap our experiences of listening to Elena's journey as an eight and her experience fleeing the Ukraine in the early days of Putin's attack. Uh, tell me what your first impressions were of her story. I really want to hear from you because you're also a body type and I'm a six in the head. And so when I was listening to her story, I was aware that I would probably still be in Ukraine <laughs> trying to figure out what to do. Um, tell me what your reaction and you'd, was. You'd find a way to have an impact on people for sure. But yeah, well, she's amazing. Yeah. I mean, first of all, her story is amazing. She's amazing. And she's really action-oriented. Oh, totally. Right? And not afraid to jump into a tough situation or a dangerous situation, even when she knows it's dangerous. Right. So that was definitely my first impression is, wow. 
Well, it, later in the in the uh, podcast, she says, well, I don't think I've ever really been afraid. And I'm like, you just escaped Ukraine. Yeah. And that I don't identify with. I definitely feel fear. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, I mean, just really action oriented. And I, I really identify with that. I think a lot of times I can be very action oriented. So I identified with, hey, my first instinct is to do something. Mm-hmm. To go into action. Yes. I, I can remember, for example, when... Um, uh, your brother Scott and his wife Brittany got word that uh, their daughter had been placed for adoption as a newborn. And the first thing you did is you went to Target and bought everything in the baby department. You yes. Just went to action. At least I might have gone to the toddler department too. But yes, <laughs> I definitely I bought all the things. Uh, hopefully they're okay with that. Yeah. But I yes, think, always oh, first instinct is to act. Yeah. Okay. Good. What else did you notice? Um, very concerned about those who are close to her mm-hmm. and really tried to prepare them for the calamity. Yes. And they weren't really all that interested in being prepared for the calamity, were they? No. And she seemed to take that well too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, honestly. Um, and then when, when the worst of it happened, she jumped into action to stay safe and she didn't have to take the road that everybody else was traveling. Not only did she jump to action, but she went North when everyone went South. So not afraid to be her own person and take her own path. Right. Right. When she says she leads, you believe her, don't you? Yes. Mm -hmm. You know, you're, uh, you're a leader in your own right as a social nine, uh, social nines are often leaders. Um, what do you see different about her style of leadership as compared to yours? Do you think, can you extrapolate from the interview and give me any insights or maybe not just her, but with the other eights in your life? I know, you know, a lot of eights. Sure. Um, they're very confident Mm -hmm. folks, not afraid to set a direction. Mm -hmm. Um, definitely are going to be very clear and direct Mm -hmm. with what they want. And um, not afraid to fail in some ways, uh, quick to course correct, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and do not seem bothered by any of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I share some of those traits, probably less, I'm less forceful. Mm-hmm. Um, at times, I can be less direct. So that's something I've had to work on. And while I think I see the path clearly, it's, I think it takes me a lot more gumption to um, kind of chart that path forward for the team. Um, and maybe I ruminate a little bit more than Mm -hmm. they do. You know, one of the things that Yelena talked about was the fact that, um, it's taken her a long time to, to realize that her forcefulness had much of an impact on people. I get the sense as a social nine that you're kind of the opposite. Yes. Tell me more about that. I, um, I'm very impacted by people's forcefulness and have had to find a way to understand that it's not personal. Okay. And do you think that you are as a nine uh, more likely to find a different path than using forceful energy to get accomplished? I mean, you've got, yes. you've got a big job. You've got to get stuff done. Yes. Do you take the forceful path or a different road? Only when I absolutely have to. I like to get the team together to come to consensus. Mm-hmm. I mean, for me, the best thing is when a team charts their own path and I'm there to 
be supportive. Mm -hmm. So I think that's definitely my style and the style that I feel the most comfortable with. But there are times where you have to make a decision to move on and understand that you're, everyone's not going to be happy with you. Does that take a lot of energy for you? Yes. Yes. And I don't think people see that. Right. Right. But it takes a lot of um, energy and you know, I probably have to wind down a little bit or exercise or something to get it back Mm -hmm. um, when we have to make a particularly tough decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what did you think of Elena in the interview? It sounds like that when that, that force for her is just energy and she just goes with it. Yeah. I mean, I think I would love to be like that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I would love to have that level of energy. And I think I actually like, really like being around that level of energy. I just don't personally identify with it. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. What else, what else were you thinking about when you, when you looked at what she did? You know, what was so amazing about what she did is her ability to sustain that energy. So she had all of that energy for the biggest game. Right. And, and that took a lot, but now she's home. She continues to, um, use all of that energy for good tirelessly, no matter what's happened to her, or what's happened in her family. And I think that's just really stuck out. Like she is truly a force for good without yeah. really having um, a lot of regard for herself in that process. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, struck me is, you know, and I've never really quite bought into this, but People tend to talk about AIDS as being a bit antisocial. That mm. AIDS can be antisocial, and that if you're social dominant, then that sort of mitigates that. That's why that social aid is the counter type, right? It's it's it gives a little energy, but she is dominant self preservation. I was struck by, you know, in the moment. Self-preservation was key, but very quickly she accessed that social secondary instinct too. I mean, I tried to let her take all the credit, right? I was like, what's your superpower? And she goes, I don't have a superpower. superpower. Exactly. She said, "Um, it's the we. And I really uh, think that that is um, the capacity we all have if we use the Enneagram for growth. Yes, I definitely think that represents a lot of growth from her. And even when she sees her self-preservation instinct take over, she can very quickly adapt. And I think she's done a lot of work. I think she's amazing. Yeah, she really is. Yeah. Um, What did you think about um, when she talked about, well, let let me say it like this. So I even remember during the time all this was happening and she was moving through Ukraine, she and I were having some conversations by a Facebook I remember messenger, that, yeah. Right? And I remember once she got to safety, she was very, um, felt very strongly emotionally about now, like, I'm safe, but who's going to attack this enemy? And and she she really wanted to attack the enemy. And I think, boy, you need to listen to the podcast where she if you haven't already, where she talks about, it wasn't so much, I wanted to defend my family. I wanted to crush evil. Yeah. Right. And uh, so she moved very quickly into that. I need to stay here and crush evil. 
conversation. And I said to her, but what about your son and your husband? Yeah. And in hindsight, what she told us on the podcast was it was really hard to think about her intimate relationships. What did you think of that? What was your experience of that? Yeah. And that's probably hard for some people to hear, maybe most especially her husband and her son. But I really identified with that. I mean, in the moment, I think when my gut instincts take over, especially in a crisis, um, I'm thinking about everyone else around me first. I'm I'm jumping into doing and I think I may tend to kind of leave that those more relational aspects kind of to the side while we're attacking evil or whatever it is that we're attacking. So I really identified with that. Yeah, because you also are you think your sexual instinct is your repressed instinct. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And I probably live with two people who have that as their dominant instinct. So that's a real area opportunity for growth. Yeah. For me. I I agree with you that I think both your, both of the men in your life are, have dominant sexual instinct. Um, Was there anything else that you did not relate to as being in the same body center, but that you did not relate to with her eightness versus your nineness? Yeah. I mean, I was really struck by when she said that she may never cry for her mother and you could Uh, tell how much she loves her family very fiercely, but she seems to really move past the emotionality or maybe not even stop there at all mm -hmm. and really be able to move on. And, and I was curious what you thought about that. And, you know, I can't do that. I I find that I often don't have my reaction in the moment, Mm -hmm. but when everybody's safe or when the crisis is over, you know, you might find me crying over a peanut butter and jelly sandwich for seven or eight minutes and that'll look confusing, but I have some sort of letdown, right. some sort of emotion, emotionality. And she didn't seem to, what do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I think about other eights I know, and, um, I think they burn their grief off with their action. Um, and what I loved about her insights was that she was no longer judging herself and expecting herself to grieve like other types might grieve. Yes. She was okay with it. Yeah. She says, I am what I am. And this doesn't mean that there's something wrong with me. It means that this is how I am responding and it's part of my type. It isn't a reflection of my character or that I'm cold hearted. And That's so I, I was really struck by the beauty that the Enneagram can bring to us in terms of giving us self-compassion. Yes. I really admired her response to that. And I did not relate to it. Right. Right. But I do think based on the other eights that I know that it does seem like it's could be characteristic. Well, you and I love eights who have had a lot of grief in their life and they went into action. Yes. Yeah. When our friend Joe uh, lost his son in a tragic accident, he, he, part of his grief work was going into action and helping other families who've lost children. Yeah. And I think that time was hard for all of us and we all responded differently. That was Joe's response. I mean, I think for me, obviously different, not being a parent, but being a close friend, you know, I, I kept acting, but there was still a period of grief there, mm-hmm. um, that looked a lot different than it, than it did for Joe. Right. 
Right. Right. You know, I think the most danger you and I were ever in together for our physical safety was that ill-fated dinner excursion we took to that remote restaurant on oh St. Kitts. That was <laughs> so scary. Well, it was fun until it was scary. It was fun until it was scary. But you remember the guy said that if your tourists died out here, no one would ever find the bodies. I do remember that. And that the van smelled like weed when we got into it and he backed it into a truck. Yes, and I do remember being the only person concerned about that. (laughs) (laughs) And you had the bodily instinct to not get in the van, but everybody else was getting in the van. And so we followed, we were going to, we were going to live or die together, I guess. Um, I was pretty sure it was going to be dying. I know. (laughs) I was pretty sure too. But I remember that my, I now see it as, and my self-preservation instinct is repressed. So I can't seem to muster a self-preservation instinct on my own behalf, but people I really loved were in that van and it triggered my self-preservation instinct and self-preservation sixes get really warm and friendly. And I was trying to talk to the guy and get to know him and, you know, having watched a lot of serial killer things, (laughs) personalize who I was so maybe he'd have second thoughts about killing us all and um I remember that you had a completely different reaction you just wanted to get out of the freaking van yeah I was pissed too <laughs> honestly excuse yeah. my language yeah. I was angry that you guys made me do it yeah. but I still went along with it <laughs> but yeah so that's an opportunity for growth for me next time I'm staying there by myself <laughs> no I'm just kidding well and you actually had a thought we could have pretended that we left a person there and drag everybody else into the restaurant i thought you know know, we could get another taxi we could get another (laughs) no 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 we're all we're all fine yeah we survived it but i think it really helps when you understand even in hindsight to be able to look at a situation and see why you have the instinctual reactions that you have true um i think one of the things that I also have to acknowledge about Yelena's podcast is she is an eight who has done an awful lot of work. What do you think would be a contrast for an eight who had not done a lot of work? I know in the industry that you're in, you've worked with a lot of eights. What would it be like, do you think, to be in a relationship with an eight who hasn't done the kind of work that Yelena's done? I mean, I think the risk sometimes for AIDS who haven't done a lot of work on themselves is just not understanding their power and their forcefulness and how that impacts everyone else around them. And I know we kind of talked about this earlier, but yeah, I mean, I have been impacted or seen, you know, powerful AIDS impact others and just not understanding how they come across Mm -hmm. and maybe how that hinders their leadership style sometimes in terms of getting others to follow them or in charting the path, not really being able to access um, some finesse 
right. or influence that doesn't involve, you know, being more dominant command and control. Yeah. And because the other softer, you know, we often say that um, eights have a pretty tough exterior. They do not like to show weakness and vulnerability, but they have very tender hearts for the marginalized and uh, the vulnerable. And so they, they have this capacity, really almost a compulsion to mentor. And I think a, an eight who has done some work gets to fulfill that role more than if they are just simply being very intimidating. Yes, because sometimes they, they, they do want that connection. And for them, again, they don't understand that the forcefulness may be perceived as negativity. So they may kind of miss that opportunity to have that personal connection, whether that looks like friendship or mentorship, because maybe the other person doesn't sort of understand their desire to have connection when they portray themselves in a certain way. Yeah. And I do think it's true just generally for leadership that to be an effective leader, you can't be so ahead of your troops that they can't see you and you can't see them. Agreed. And you can't be so walled off that you can't be willing to take in another perspective or 10, honestly, depending on the complexity of what you're doing and the number of people that you're dealing with. Right, right. I think the thing that just really killed me about her podcast that I love so much was that radical acceptance that she has acquired about being a female eight, which we haven't, we got to talk about gender too, paired with the humility and the willingness to, to uh, tweak her uh, course action just a little bit. Yeah. So let's unpack gender okay. and eightness. That light topic of gender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> let's just solve all gender issues. I would love it. Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> You're in the work world. Sure. Um, what do you think about female eights as opposed to eight male eights in the work world? Gosh, I think she she touched on it a little bit, maybe. And I think I agreed with what she said, that I think as a male eight, you're a leader. Mm-hmm. As a female eight, you might kind of be associated with the B word. Mm-hmm. And so that dynamic definitely exists. And I've personally seen it as well. Mm-hmm. So it might possibly be a little uh, especially challenging to be a female eight. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. And she, and, and she just, she loves it. And in tech as well. Um, right. Right. Y- you have been in, in uh, the technical end and the business end. Tell me what you mean by in tech as well. What, what do you think might make that a little even more of an issue? Well, it's a definitely a, a male, a historically male dominated mm-hmm. sector. So mm-hmm. I think it may be even harder to be a powerful woman in a section that's so dominated by men, especially in leadership positions. Yeah. I mean, as far as I could tell, listening to her, it never bothered her. And I yeah. was impressed by Again, that. if I could channel any quality from an eight, that would be the one. I feel like, um, you know, having been in similar situations, I think it really did bother me sometimes to kind of see you perceive that you do maybe your 25% as assertive as your male counterparts. Yet 
for them, it was normal. It was leadership. And for you, it was a conversation with your boss about how maybe you needed to deliver your message in a more appealing manner or Mm -hmm. something like that. And I think just kind of figuring out how to navigate that Mm -hmm. can be tricky for women. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think about her strategy for getting out and doing really hard hikes when she came back from Ukraine? How did that strike you as a body centered type? It's almost like she was working out her grief Mm -hmm. or I I don't know if she has any kind of anxiety, but I think she was working it out and then kind of building up Mm -hmm. for the next thing and just kind of maybe even out there proving to herself that she had that skill. So I don't know if any of those things resonate for her, but uh, pretty amazing that she did that. And right away. Yeah. What about for you as a nine in the body type? How, what role does getting out and working up a good sweat, what does that do for you? It clears my mind. Okay. Um, I think when I need a good energy bolt, it -hmm. gives me one. Um, and especially if I'm working out any kind of hard emotion or hard day. I mean, for me, even an hour on the trail can make me feel like a different person. Mm-hmm. And honestly, sometimes it doesn't work with this. <laughs> and I need to go again or and again, maybe, but um, those, those times are few and far between, honestly, kind of getting in touch with that, with the body uh, makes a huge difference. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it sounds like whether you're an eight, a nine or a one, um, being able to um, get some of that excess body energy out would enable you to be able, because you said clear your mind. I think it's like maybe even being able to get you more in touch with your mind. Yes. And your heart, right? You made the, you made the example of um, crying while making a peanut butter sandwich, right? So it's not just your mind, but also just doing the task also sometimes gets you in touch with your heart. Yes. And when I'm in a tough spot or need to move through, it's always movement and action that helps me personally do that. Yeah. Well, gosh, Meredith, this has been so much fun. Um, I've enjoyed uh, looking um, through your eyes uh, at the, and the lens of, um, of your body type to think about Elena. For me, I think as a six, um, I was just kind of in awe at her capacity to unapologetically go into action. I think as a six, I'm so ambivalent. I have so much self-doubt and really I've learned from her. Like, it's almost like um, Yelena has been able to show me what it would look like and to aspire to to set a little doubt aside, move into action a little quicker and um, kind of lean into what I already know rather than just always second guessing myself with the doubt piece. I love that. And I agree. I think setting aside doubt is probably going to be a lifelong journey for me personally. And um I love hearing her story and being able to take just a little piece of that with me kind mm-hmm. of the next time I am feeling that way. Maybe it'll give me um, yeah. a little bit of encouragement. Yeah. A little encouragement and some also 
to say, wow, what, maybe we should be thinking about what Yelena would do. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, uh, thanks. This has really been fun. I want to throw out um, an idea for you guys um, as a a thank you to Yelena, but also to support her cause. You can go to Nova Ukraine. Uh, org. The uh, website will be in our show notes and donate if you would like to uh, donate to the humanitarian aid relief for Ukrainians and Nova Ukraine. It's all about humanitarian aid, uh, working with refugees and also um, the people that are still in Ukraine. So thank you guys for listening to us. It's been a pleasure, Meredith, and I appreciate your time. And uh, we'll be back with our podcast in a couple of weeks. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the podcast, More Than Your Number, about the Enneagram and personal growth with Teresa McBean. If you enjoyed this podcast, you might want to check out more of what Teresa has to offer. Go to her website, TeresaMcBean.com, and be sure to sign up for the newsletter to get all the latest offerings and sometimes even a discount. Mm-hmm.